Welcome to Reading Between the Reels. I'm Greg Dickinson. And I'm Matt Leader. Today on the show, we are talking about Jojo Rabbit, the 2019 film written and directed by Taika Waititi. Um, Craig, what are your thoughts? So my first thought is, uh, this was the first time I'd actually seen this movie. This was a recommendation by you, and I had wanted to see it. I remember seeing the trailers, and you know, I'd been a fan of Taika Waititi's for a while. Mainly, I mean, let's just full disclosure, because of Thor Ragnarok. I just loved that movie, and I'd seen him in some other things. I mean, I remember that he was in Green Lantern, even though he wants to forget. Uh, and so I was excited to see this because I knew his sense of humor, his some of his sensibilities. So I was excited for that. And uh, I also really enjoy clever satire, which this film uh, is very much that. And so I, I really liked it a lot. And just the whole absurdity of having an imaginary friend that's Adolf Hitler just was fascinating. And just, I loved it. I, I thought it was really effective. Uh, I thought it was genius and very subversive. So I, I'm a fan of Jojo Rabbit now. What about you? I, I really enjoyed the, the film like from the first time I saw it and um, my, my wife is a huge history buff. She particularly likes world war two history. So it was kind of fun for us to both go in and we both had pretty extensive knowledge of the events surrounding it. And like, not everybody does. I was just having this conversation uh, today in class with um, I, I have a, a deaf ed student. And so I was talking to the interpreter about what we're going to get into. Cause we both Craig and I teach the Holocaust and uh, we were going through and she mentioned how, you know, for a lot of students, because she bounces around to different classrooms, obviously, um, that they don't all get a ton of education in the Holocaust, right? So it's important that we, you know, do a good job of it. And so this, this is something that, you know, I feel fairly well versed in. Um, and more than anything, I felt like it was just a refreshing take. I, I was really tired of of having just the most depressing things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a depressing topic and it needs to be because, you know, you're talking about real events and stuff, but you kind of mentioned the, the, the kind of witty satire and humor involved. And for me, you know, just rewatching it again, and especially like in the, in the background, I'm, preparing for gearing up for teaching the Holocaust and you are actually coming to the tail end of it. So it's like, it's just nice to have this refreshing, like a little bit of humor and levity, uh, a little bit of joy. Cause I do think that ultimately it is a rather joyful film, at least at the end. Uh, and, and that's just, it's nice to see and, and we'll get into the details. Uh, but I really like the film. Yeah, I think it is to kind of build off what you said. It's a triumphant film, right? That you have, you know, it ends on a high note for sure. And you have this, this journey. We talk about hero's journey a lot. And it is kind of a uh, coming of age hero's journey, Bill Drungerman, um, you know, type of film where you have this, this major, the major character, Jojo Rabbit goes through this, this journey and we go with him. Uh, and it starts off pretty dark with some of the stuff. That he's, you know, he's adopting, that he's is stating that he believes in, and at least stating he believes in. But by the time he gets to the end, you know, his eyes have been opened. And so it definitely leaves, you know, it leaves you with with hope, I think. Well, and I think that's like the nice thing about it is that, you know, it's it's taking a look at these events and 
I, I think it's it's taking a perspective that's underrepresented, at least in my opinion, you know, from what in, in my experiences of of this like this kid. And and obviously right. like the big part of it is the imaginary Hitler best friend, right? And that's a big part of the satire. But it's very clearly like a manifestation or a representation, maybe I should say, of the indoctrination, the propaganda that mm-hmm. he's experiencing as a kid, as a 10-year-old, and he doesn't know any better. But he essentially is missing his father, and he has replaced that figure in his life, that figure of authority, uh, that figure of like some someone to lean on, someone to look for advice, and he replaces it with the propaganda. And, and that's, you know, largely what he kind of experiences. To jump into the, like, the very beginning of the film, it starts out with the German version of the Beatles, uh, I Want to Hold yeah. Your Hand. Yeah. Or, or, like, that's that's one of the first, I think they they do the, the Heil Hitler yeah, pumping yeah. up, right? But then it's like, it jumps right into that. And I think that's such an extraordinary way to start the film. First, it just tells you, like, okay, this is the kind of movie that you're getting into be prepared and uh and that right there like primes you for everything else that's about to come but the fact that um you know the 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 beatles had already recorded this it's an original recording in german and Mm -hmm. uh, i i remember either reading or or watching somewhere that uh, uh taika watiti saying that like he was looking back at footage of the germans and how they reacted to hitler and it reminded him of beatlemania and so that's where he wanted to start the film off with the Beatles. It's because of this mass hysteria that, you know, pe- uh, people were responding to Hitler in Germany. Not all, of course, uh, but, you know, those who there were a lot of people who got really uh, enraptured by by the man in his his vision for Germany. Yeah, I love that quote. I was going to bring that up later, but I'm glad you brought that up now and. I, you know, that, that absolutely worked on me. I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. And, and I think it's, you know, we talk about, I don't know if it's on the nose, but I think it's, it's fitting. You know, I think it's a, it's a very clever way of bring, like you said, kind of bringing you in and it's a little bit goofy, right? It's a little bit lighthearted, but it's also like, oh, I see the parallels that we're doing. And it does very much set the tone of like, these kids are just getting wrapped up and this is exciting. And, and, you know, I feel good about myself when I listen to this music or when I do these chants or when I go to this camp and all this stuff. And so just a great, great choice of music and, and footage kind of interspersed with those two things. So that's kind of an interesting dichotomy that you have there. I really liked, I really did like the opening to go back just a little bit more where it reminded me a little bit of the extreme close-ups where he's getting dressed and putting his stuff on. It's that Rambo scene again. You know, he's just getting psyched up for that. I just, I thought that was just a great way to just kind of bring us in and you get, you know, you're kind of first person sucked into like his excitement. He's strapping on his stuff and that always kind of makes you feel like you're in the movie too, because you're not really seeing who's doing it. Like if you were tying your shoes, that's the view you'd have. You're putting your you know, belt on. That's the view that you would have. So I thought that was a really interesting way to bring, uh, bring you into the film as well. I really liked uh, composition wise, the long static shots, because a couple of really interesting ones, this film is, is a really interesting film to look at. And I really, one of the, one I really liked was there's a swimming pool bench where Jojo comes in and talks to um, uh, Rebel, well, Rebel Wilson's in the scene. Who's the, who's the other guy that's Captain K. Captain K, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, there you go. Captain K's in there, and there's this ridiculously long bench, and Rebel Wilson slides across it really, really slowly, and it just lingers. It doesn't cut like to a close-up between the conversation. It's just this wide shot all the way through. Yeah, it's and, got it's got this like office like like awkward humor going yeah. through it as well. Yeah. Um, I, I know what you're talking about exactly. Another moment that like jumps out to me uh, in that is uh, the camera is looking at uh, Scarlett Johansson who plays Jojo's mom mm-hmm. and she's looking at the gallows in the city center and you don't realize that at first. It's just her standing essentially in a street and she's just staring up at something and it mm-hmm. just stays there. And then Jojo comes to visit and then he's standing on the side and again, it doesn't cut. It, it just lingers there. Yeah, there's another great one too of, um, speaking of, of Jojo and his mom, sitting at the dinner table on opposite ends and then Hitler sitting in the middle. And it just, it's the wide shot. You see all of them at the same time and you kind of watch. It's interesting because even though his, it's his imaginary friend, Hitler almost kind of has the sentience where he's kind of outside of Jojo, where he's watching the conversation between the two of them and kind of his eyes bouncing back and forth. Uh, but you can see that. And uh, so I thought that was a fascinating shot. Just any of them that linger. And, you know, um, M. Night Shyamalan movies have this sometimes too, where it's just like this super long cut. And you just like, I know I have to pay attention. I know there's something important here. And it's just, I, you don't see it that much. We usually see a lot more quick edits, but mm-hmm. um, I'm always fascinated by seeing those long shots. That, and you have a lot of close-ups of feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, in particular, shoes. And, uh, you know, this idea of like Jojo not being able to tie his shoes and then obviously mm-hmm. his mom's uh, shoes when she gets hanged, yes. like you, that's all you see. You don't yes. see who, who it is. It, you know, you're as the audience member, you're relying on um, Jojo's reaction and the shoes, which we see several times throughout, which I thought was like a really interesting way to kill a character off. Um. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's um, set up in that whole scene that I mentioned before where uh, Scarlett Johansson's looking at the gallows, you know, and JoJo says, you know, what they do. And she goes, what they could. I know, right? What and, a great line. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, obviously you go off and you you get the idea that there's some kind of resistance members and stuff. So, like, there's a, there's a lot of great setup and payoff in the film. Yeah, and speaking of that, you know the the shot with um, with JoJo's mom's shoes happens right after another really interesting shot where he's following. It's like a first person POV following the butterfly, and so there's kind of like this hopeful, you know, it's transformation and, and metamorphosis. And he, you know, he is he's going through this this process, and it. But the scene shifts so dramatically when he just comes up to the gallows, and then you just sees the shoes. Which is heartbreaking, but it also reminds me a bit of uh, just the color grading, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I'm I'm right on this. Where most of the the first part of the movie, up until I think the Gestapo come, the color grading is is almost yellow. It's, mm-hmm. it's very bright, very warm. Yep. And then after that, uh, Scarlett Johansson's missing from the film for quite a while. Um, and she's off. Jojo doesn't know where she is. She's out of town. The Gestapo asks about her, and it seems like it gets much bluer 
more kind of desaturated because a lot of the film is very vibrant, very colorful. And you get this kind of desaturated look. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of the butterfly scene, but also in kind of the wintry uh, moments when um, Jojo is like off scrounging for supplies in the trash cans and things like that. Basically, when things are looking the grimmest, it's desaturated, this blue filter. What I found interesting, though, is at the end when um, uh, Inya, the the sister, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, I'm forgetting the character's real name. Elsa? Uh, yeah, Elsa. Yeah. Um, when she comes out the door after the final victory, right, it goes back to that bright, warm color grading. And so it was. I don't think it was just like the winter months where they kind of cool the image down. I think it's kind of related to how the characters are feeling as far as, you know, how the war is going. Yeah, I swear you're reading my notes because I had a lot of that same stuff. I noticed that too. It's very soft and golden at the beginning, right? And I just was like, well, this looks like it's an idealized view of the world. He has this mm. very, you know, it's it's soft and golden and, and hopeful. And really, it's it's not. It gets revealed that way. That's the way I took it was when you start to see things like the butterfly in his mom's shoes and his mom has died. And he starts to see the dark side of this thing that he's been involved in that, you know, becomes much more harsh and desaturated with the color. Well, and along those lines, I think, because, you know, I mentioned earlier that it's just kind of a refreshing film where I think that like a lot of kind of World War II documentaries and films have a very blue, very desaturated color palette. And, um, you know, I off the top of my head, I can't think of a World War II film that's more color, colorful, more vibrant yeah. uh, than Jojo Rabbit. And that's, I think that's part of it is you have that moment of just visually it's more refreshing than a lot of other films that, that cover the same topic. Yeah. And I had this down for, for set decoration, but it's a good place to mention as any is like the colors of the houses. They're like pastel and, you know, from doing research and finding interviews with Taika Waititi, like this is how it was, right? We don't see those traditionally in, like you said, in World War II films or, or in black and white footage, obviously, but it's kind of jarring. You're like, Oh wow, this is, it was a lot more colorful back then. It's it's a lot more tragic when you think about you know the the world that these people had, and then it got twisted. And uh, but I think you know as through, seen through a kid's eyes that it, it makes sense that you would be you know this very soft and uh, colorful palette that we're seeing. Well, I think that's actually a great point in that you know you don't think about the world that's colorful. Uh, this is a little off topic, but like. The Roman Empire, many of the statues were painted colorful color, like they were bright and vibrant. We don't think of them that way anymore because history is kind of worn down and stuff. But, you know, it's that that time, I think, is is I think people remember it or think about it in muted, desaturated. Yeah, uh, because of the black and white uh, films, like you mentioned, the historical film footage, uh, but also things like Band of Brothers. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, they're very sure. desaturated, like color grading. Bleak. Yeah. Very bleak. And that's yeah. um that's just how, you know, most of us kind of not necessarily learn about the time period, but that's how we end up visualizing it, because that's the medium that we get it, you know, our information from. Um, speaking about set design a little bit too, something that I noticed, uh, one of JoJo's jobs is putting up those posters. 
And yep. already it's kind of an interesting moment when he puts up the poster of Adolf and he swipes it with his hand and it changes faces. Did you notice that? Uh, you know, I think I might have missed that. <laughs> so I have to watch it again. I was, I was watching your face and you were like, you did not notice that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's like right after he gets the assign, assign the job from Captain K and he's out there and he's got like this glue paintbrush and he's putting posters up and and one of them is just a picture of like Hitler's face and then he kind of wipes it with his hand two or three times and each time his face uh, Hitler's face changes uh, which I think is just tied to his imaginary friend but what's interesting is as the film goes on those posters become more tattered and, and torn yeah. and there's a moment right before in the butterfly scene where yeah. uh, there's two posters and he's like trying to kind of push both of them up and they keep kind of falling down, which is just another visual metaphor for how everything is kind of going. Yeah, I had that one down there too. And we're going to skip around a little bit more, but that's fine because it's a natural extension of what we're talking about. That the, the, the pillar right next to it that it's on, the wall is crumbling too. So I look at that and it's like his world is about to, it's foreshadowing in a sense because he's about to discover that his mom is has died and been hung. So yeah, just, just really gripping. I was like, Oh wow, that's not an accident. You see that his world is, is crumbling that way. Did you have anything else for cinematography or would you want to move I on? Think, to- I think that was, those were kind of my, my major thoughts. Um, you know, as, as, as far as sound, we've already touched on uh, the Beatles. Uh, there's a couple pop songs or mm-hmm. at least, you know, modern songs uh, throughout the film. And I think it works pretty well for me. I was kind of wondering what you thought about them. Yeah, I definitely had the Beatles, uh, the Beatles song. Uh, there you also get David Bowie's uh, Heroes mm-hmm. in German at the end, which is kind of fun. I was like, I know this song. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, this is, yeah, David Bowie's Heroes, right on. Uh, what I thought was interesting was that it's it's a Michael Giacchino film. And we've done Giacchino before with with Rogue One. And I've been a big fan of Giacchino's since Alias and Lost and Fringe and his TV work. And he's done, of course, tons of stuff for the MCU and Pixar and whatnot. And so I, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with, with his work. And I would not have known this was Giacchino had I not looked it up. It's, I think it's a very different type of score for him. Uh, the main, he had the Jojo has a theme. That's kind of the main thing that he has with this. It's like a 11 minute suite. It's got German lyrics. And I think that's part of it too, is that there's, there's actually lyrics to to the main song and we hear it a lot throughout the film in lots of different ways kind of happy and also very sad we heard at the end primarily i think is when i really latched onto it uh, kind of when jojo's looking around and seeing um the allied troops come into the into the village and i was like well wow that's a really powerful moment and of course it's in slow motion and then that's a very giacchino thing if you think back to like lost and some of those sequences there's in lots of films rogue one has them as well um, where you have that very moving, melancholy music and then slow motion visuals kind of paired. But other than that, I was like, oh, it's Giacchino. Okay, that's right on. The guy's apparently more versatile than I gave him credit for. Totally. Um, I, I think that uh, for me, the, the score kind of blended into the background quite a bit. I mean, I was really grabbed by the visuals of the film this time. And that, like I, like I've been saying, this doesn't happen for every film, but just visually, it's it's such a rich film that that the score really went to the background for me. Other than kind of the pop songs, because they are they made me pay attention because they're so different. 
which you know I think is is kind of the point um, that that everybody's got to live. You know where Jojo is you know scrounging for food and he's bringing it back to uh, Elsa, who's basically stuck at home. They have that moment when they're both eating or not. I don't think they're both eating, but Jojo's eating, and then there's like that unicorn that uh, Adolf is is eating. And there's just yeah. like these little, little moments of like, just absurdness, yeah. sprinkled throughout the film. Yeah, he mentioned it earlier. I'm gonna go eat a unicorn. Yeah, there it is. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. We talked <laughs> about that. So, performances. We've kind of already alluded to some of them. Taika Waititi, fully committed, like a, sells out. It's a bold performance. Bold. <laughs> Very bold, and, yeah. and I, I understand that he was like he tried to shop this film around for for years and couldn't get it made because it is so weird and kind of risky, right? But yeah, he, he basically had had to promise and commit to okay, well, fall. I'll play Hitler then, as well as write and direct, and then that'll get the movie made. Because I don't think you know, he's one of those few guys that well, if you have Taika Waititi playing Hitler, then it's going to be okay that he's kind of goofy. Yeah, you couldn't have Gary Oldman do that, for instance. Even though he's a great actor, like you were like, yeah, he's kind of intimidating. Yeah, I, I I think it could have come off wrong. Yeah, and to me, it doesn't. No, I I think he hits the mark for it. As much as I enjoyed (laughs) Waititi's performance as as Hitler, as weird as it all sounds to say, (laughs) you know, I what I love most about it is the progression that it makes. And and like I mentioned how this is kind of like a representation of of the education, the indoctrination that Jojo has. But he he goes from that like super goofy best friend buddy to angry and mean mm-hmm. and and hateful. The more Jojo builds relationships throughout the film, the more angry and more hatred you get from YTT. And I was like, that's such a cool the inverse relationship between those two things. The propaganda becomes angrier. It tries to grab Jojo kind of by the scruff of the neck and carry him yep. along like the rabbit that he is. And he, you know, obviously kind of, you know, pulls away from that. But I, I thought that was like the most interesting part of it was that progression of like going from goofy to the opposite at the end. Yeah, he's getting desperate, right? One thing that I noticed right off the bat, and I should have mentioned, I forgot his name earlier, Sam Rockwell, uh, I think is great in the film, but because it looks like he's not even trying. He's so, the first, at least the first couple times I saw him, I was like, he's so flippant and his accent is so bad. Yeah. Like he doesn't even, he's not, like you can tell that the character's given up. Like that's kind of his whole shtick, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, I got hurt in this battle and it's stupid that I'm having to be here. And like, he can't even do a decent German accent. Like it just comes through. Rebel it, Wilson's the same way. He's just like laughably bad at a German accent. And it like and goes, like, hey, in, in and guys, too. what's up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's that? Yeah. Well, it, it kind of goes in and out. Like, well, they'll try yeah. a little bit more and try a little bit less. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming, because they're, they're both good actors. I, Sam Rockwell, especially. I'm assuming that's direction, right? Like just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, For to, sure. To, <laughs> to paraphrase from earlier when he's telling Jojo with his Hal Hitler, just, just throw it away. Don't even think about it. Right. Which is I, one of my favorite lines. <laughs> trying to psych him up for saying Hal Hitler and he couldn't do it right. Eh, don't even worry about it. Just just throw it away. Don't even think about it. Yeah. I, that kind of flippant. I, I loved uh, Sam Rockwell. 
I, I think he yeah. his character as Captain K is probably the most interesting, along mm-hmm. with um, uh, Jojo. Um, there's something I caught this time that I think Captain K is gay. Yeah. Yeah. But there was something in particular is that he had the pink triangle on his uniform right at oh, the I end. I didn't see that. Yeah. So in well, the he slow... had that really flamboyant uniform, <laughs> so I wouldn't doubt that it would be right. in there somewhere. <laughs> right. And it, it's fairly small. But when um, he, as in uh, Captain K and JoJo, are talking right at the end, where Captain K basically saves his life, yeah. you see much closer shot. And, and that's where I was like, okay, it's definitely there. For those who don't know, the pink triangle was one of the uh, designations used in the concentration camps for one of the targeted groups from the Nazis, which were homosexual people. Um, so he had a pink triangle on his uniform, obviously the very flamboyant uniforms. And then um, Alfie Allen's character, mm-hmm. the assistant to Captain K, he had pink all over as well. And then I didn't yeah. notice if there was a triangle on there, but there was for sure one wouldn't on there. Doubt it. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't doubt it either. But that also makes it really interesting because Captain K is in one of the categories where the Nazis, you know, had they known, he would have probably been thrown into a concentration camp himself. Yet he's fighting, right? But I also get the impression that he doesn't fully buy into all of it. Exactly. Like, obviously, when he helps Elsa and Jojo out with the um, passport, right? But at the end, you can just kind of see there's this just kind of, you know, it's in terms of his voice and his look and everything, the acting, he's kind of defeated and he like, he knows what's going to happen to him. And so he's going to do one last final act of kindness for Jojo looking out for him by taking the jacket off him and pushing him away. And so I thought that was like, that was a really good performance by him. And I think that's like really interesting where in terms of the kind of meta narrative, because obviously the film is satire, you know, what, what is it trying to say? And what I was taken away from it, at least with Captain K is that, you know, war has more victims than just the people who are killed. Right. Obviously, uh, Scarlett Johansson's character is a victim. Uh, but even Captain K, you know, he probably would have led a peaceful life and just would have kept, you know, kept to himself yeah. and would have been fine just doing his thing. And and he ends up having to do this stuff that he kind of clearly doesn't really care about. Like, he doesn't want to be a soldier. Like, it doesn't look like that. He doesn't seem to care. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I, and I see him as like another victim that is not as commonly um, seen that way in in media. So I just thought that was like a really interesting performance and uh, character uh, throughout the film. Yeah, as as you were talking, I was thinking how he's in some ways kind of a foil for for JoJo, where he's you know it's kind of like what what could happen. Like you sign he signed up early or was roped into it, but didn't. He's not a true believer. You know, so it's kind of a, a parallel journey, right? Where you see Jojo kind of losing his faith. You see, here's a guy who absolutely has lost the faith of, yeah. of following, you know, the Nazis and, and Hitler. That's so, a really interesting yeah, the more reading. I think, the more I think about it, the more I appreciate his performance. Like, it's, yeah. it's really interesting. And he, he's just, he's very likable, oh, I yeah. think, uh, in this film. As, as much as he comes off as a, as a jerk at the beginning. And I was like, why is he really doing a German accent? What What's the deal with this? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very much like I don't want to be here. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it looks like I don't want to be in this movie, but really it's, I don't want to be, you know, in this part as a, as a Within the world of the fiction. Within the, the world. Yeah. 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 There you go. Um, there's, this movie is funny. I mm-hmm. thought a lot, a lot of very funny lines in this movie. Would you have any dialogue samples? Any, any particular thing that stood out to you is, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> um, not necessarily a line, but but one of my favorite humorous moments uh, was the grenade scene with Jojo at the beginning, where, <laughs> I mean, the whole conversation between him and imaginary Adolf, and then he gets all psyched up, like, be the rabbit, be the rabbit, and he runs off, and then he and Adolf are running, and you got that slow motion, exaggerated jumping and all this, grabs a grenade, throws it, you just hear the doink off the tree, yep. and it lands, and they're in shit, shit, and they run. <laughs> and then the explosion, and then you see Jojo fly, and then the kind of fuzzy first person point of view. Yeah. And you see Captain K there, and you see uh, his friend <laughs> come over, uh, and your little guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, he screams, and then imaginary Adolf comes and he faints. Um, and then I think it's Rebel Wilson who's like, he looks like a Picasso painting. Uh, and, and so like that that whole scene, I, I thought that was uh, hilarious. Um, so yes, absolutely. Tons of humor. A um, couple little lines all within that are all great. Nice. Um, I had, a, I mentioned earlier the, the kind of nonchalant, hey Hitler guys, hey, what's up? And then there's also the when it very much reminded me of the doctor doctor scene in Spies Like Us, where they're all saying "Hell Hitler." Like, there's like seven of them, and then somebody else comes in, and so they all do another round, which was awesome uh, for laughs. Uh, but the line that stuck with me is where you have this this buddy relationship between Jojo and Elsa, and he's trying to figure out if you know all the the things he's heard about Jews are are, are true, and, and she kind of plays it off at first, and then. Uh, he asks her to draw a picture of where Jews live and she hands it to him and you don't see what it is first. And he said, and he says, I said, draw where Jews live. This is just a, a stupid picture of my head. And she says, yeah, that's where we live. I was like, that's so brilliant. Uh, that's a great line. <laughs> um, and, and that's, it, it, it's, this is a very heartfelt film. That's what I really like. Yes, it's funny. You know, there's some great, great lines. Uh, the whole Gesundheit, um, where he's, where Elsa's like, you know what I am, say it. And Jojo's like, a Jew. And Elsa goes, Gesundheit. Like, yeah. <laughs> great line. Yep. But it's, but it's also so heartfelt where it's this idea of like Elsa is, she is playing along and she plays along for like quite a while. Um, but really it's like, even though they may not realize it, they're building this friendship together. And like that really shines through, you know, as the movie progresses. And yeah, yes. I don't want to take too much away from from what you were saying, but uh, some no. some great lines in there. Yeah, and I'll just leave it with this. The, the last line of the film too, which is from the, yeah. the, the poet Rilke, says, let everything happen to you. Beauty yep. and terror just keep going. No feeling is final. Yep. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Um, I will say, as far as uh, body language, facial expressions, when they made swastikas with their bodies, that made oh me laugh God. so much. <laughs> well, again, that that's that absurd humor yeah. shining yep. through. 
Like, it's just so ridiculous that you're like, what, what even is this? I will, I have to say this because when I first saw the trailer for this film, I went, oh my God, and ran to my wife and showed her. Because I was like, if you haven't seen the trailers for this film, you should, because it's a perfect, absurd comedy. Like, it hits that that tenor, uh, other than the kind of positive, life-affirming, you know, hopeful uh, feeling. But right. it hits that absurd humor really well. Yeah, just amazing. Uh, I did want to point out, too, with, with costumes, um, that you see at the beginning and the end, there's a parallel with Jojo's clothes where he's kind of got the sickly mustard yellow uniform that the Nazis are all wearing. And then he's wearing yellow again at the end, but it's very, it's much softer uh, as his transformation is happening. You have Elsin green, like symbolizing new life, I think is the way I w- would read that. So we already mentioned um, Glendendorf, Captain K's ridiculous costume that he sketched out. We got to see a picture of it and then he's actually wearing it, which was kind of a fun payoff. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a great costume. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, setting design. I already talked about the pastel buildings. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Set decoration or props or anything that you wanted to mention? Um, well, I, I already mentioned like the um, uh, Captain Cade's uniform, the the pink triangle, uh, the posters, propaganda posters. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think that honestly, like like I said before, it's a very beautiful film. Um, I do think the the use of fairly unique shoes for Scarlett Johansson, like they, they stand out as different, uh, was kind of a clever use of, of something that we may not pay attention to, uh, to kind of signify her. Um, I, I, I oh, <laughs> just, uh, the, uh, knife. I think it's Yorkie again, uh, during the yeah. summer camp scene where he throws the knife and it bounces off the, the tree and hits a kid. Like there's, um, even uh, Captain K with the pistol doing different poses and like firing the gun to impress the kids and stuff. So there's some good use of props. Um, yeah. Rebel Wilson's way too casual with the Luger. She's just like <laughs> flipping it around all over the place. And, and, and speaking of that, at, uh, at the end, um, Rebel Wilson, she's talking to a kid. She's like, you see those Americans over there, just run over and give them a hug. And then pulls like the pin on a grenade on the strap back of right. the kid, sends them off like... So there's there's some great great moments. Uh, brutal. Yes. Should mention the the book though the the Yuhu Jude book. Mm. Um, oh yeah as, yeah, as a prop. Right? Yeah. It's just you, especially as he gets to the end and flips through and sees, you know, what else she's drawn, and so you have this. It's kind of the symbol of his transformation as well. It shows his his line of thinking from the beginning all the way, yeah, to the end. So very important prop for sure. And, you know, I think going off of that into just the characters, that that's what I appreciate. I mean, I keep saying it. I think it's a beautiful film uh, visually, but I think that it's so heartfelt. And that's that's what really what like means the most. I mean, that's why I like it. Um, there's plenty of beautiful films out there um, that I, I just don't end up like kind of loving. And I think like the last quote that you mentioned by Rilke, uh, the poet at the end, uh, beautiful, right? But it's really that message of finding life through the tragedies, through the hardships. And part of that, I think, is this, this uh, idea that Jojo goes on this, this kind of journey from indoctrinated, crazy Hitler youth kid and everything that he understands about Jews is completely wrong. 
I, I do love the way that Waititi showed that when he first sees uh, Thomas and Mackenzie's character hiding in the walls, it is shot and the sound effects and the music is all like horror movie. I want to say that when mm-hmm. there's there's a moment where there's like a, a creaking sound, like it just sounds like a monster is coming out, right? And so for, but like it fits his imagination of what he's been indoctrinated to believe about uh, Jews. And you talked about this, the, the myth of redemptive, redemptive violence. And this movie is like the anti that. <laughs> it is right. very, is very much like, redemptive violence does not exist like not at all um you see that several moments just like the idea of dancing is freedom uh and you know the characters dancing um scarlett johansson's emphasis on romance right and and love being these really important things and how heartbroken she is that her son is this hitler youth fanatic and she's hiding jews in her house and she can't trust him with that knowledge um, and what I love most is just the fact that as Jojo builds those relationships, as he gets to know people, as he gets to know Elsa, as he spends time with, uh, his mother, when he's talking with his mother, uh, about that romance, uh, they're on the steps and there's like a little cutaway where you see Hitler and you just see him making this like sour face, like he's upset, but it, they're just talking about like romance and these these relationships and it's like that's what hatred and bigotry need is like knowledge of the other is going to erase that hatred and bigotry because yes individuals can be mean and nasty but that that's not what the bigotry is about right it's about hating something that you don't really know the more he knows his mother the more he knows elsa the less he's able to hate them and the more he's able to understand them. And like, that is just such a beautiful message that I can't help but love that. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that was just going back to the shoe-tying metaphor that, you know, he's been infantilized by his hate, right? And this indoctrination and the propaganda and stuff. And so it's kind of like, well, the people that would this would work on are people that are so dependent. They can't even tie their own shoes. Once you're able to, open your eyes and think for yourself a little bit and then develop some of these more adult skills like tying one's shoes, then you start to break away from that. I really like that. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think that's great. And uh, I, I just, I love that that's the message where it's like, be an adult, you know, be like Scarlett Johansson where you're, you're willing to work through the tragedy to do something, right? And and Jojo's not quite there yet for most of the film, I should say. Uh, but I think he 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 realizes and gets there by the end. And I think that's just that's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And now I'm thinking now that I think all the characters are German in this, which I think is yeah. is also fascinating because yeah. you know even El- Elsa grew up with you know Jojo's sister, so she's not you know, she's not from another country that got smuggled in and, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character and Captain K and all these people. So you really do get to see instead of this, you know, all Germans are the same in World War II, you get to see so many different flavors all going on here. All of these people caught up, like you mentioned earlier about, you know, war having all of these victims, not just, you know, not just the people that have died, not just the people on the other side. 
Um, but it's a lot more interesting. It's a lot more tragic in that way. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's just, I keep saying it, but that's, that's why I love the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you want to say anything else about any of the other actors? Uh, I will throw out there that I thought the acting was all great. Um, uh, or the hero's journey or any other comments kind of about these topics. No, I, I think we've, I think we've covered it pretty well to, to this point. I, I do think, I think this, the, uh, the performances were solid all around mm-hmm. again, some intentional choices, especially on Sam Rockwell and rebel Wilson. You're going to hire rebel Wilson. That's what you're going to get. That's what you're, that's what you're looking for. And you're kind of looking for, like, yeah, you're looking for ridiculous, <laughs> right? You're like, yeah, I had 18 kids. All right. For the, you know, good job. <laughs> All this just really silly, yeah, this is the type of people that would be, you know, fully involved in this or would be kind of, I'm just going along for the ride. I'm here. I have to do this. You know, the kind of burnout Sam Rockwell character. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a very well acted, beautiful film, like we've said many times, uh, edited well, sounds great. It's a really well put together film, nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Nominated for six Academy Awards, one for uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, so. Um, it's definitely a film that I would highly recommend. I think people should check out. I don't always agree with Academy picks, but this would be one that I would say um, is is worthy. Mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts uh, from you? Um, I, I mean, I think I've I've pretty pretty well covered all of my my overall thoughts already. Um, I'll just say that I, I really enjoyed the film and I think it's absolutely worth watching if you haven't seen it. I also think that it'd be fantastic to watch in uh, school uh, with kids of the right age. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you have to understand the satire, but yeah, I do think Mid- that it, high school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to see this film used in a curriculum to explore the absurdity of Nazism and fascism, because when you think about them and explore the ideologies and stuff, they are absolutely absurd. They do not make sense. And I think this film does this with grace and humor uh, and and a visually stunning film. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We'd love to hear your feedback, and it really helps get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies. And one last thing, our next episode will be a review of David Fincher's Fight Club. Send us an email or voicemail about your favorite moments from Fight Club, and we'll share them on the next episode. 